Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Seton, what if I told you there's a bacon, then there's number one thick cut, tastes like a touchdown in your mouth bacon? You must be talking about Wright brand bacon Mm -hmm. because they are not playing when it comes to the premium quality of their bacon. It's thick cut, hand trimmed, and real wood smoke real and you can tell so why settle for average bacon when you can have the real stuff that's right and if you're looking to upgrade any meal any meal try right brand bacon that's called right brand bacon you won't regret it experience bacon the right way as you may have realized i watch a lot of sports that's why i like prime video it has all my sports in one app like the national women's soccer league included with prime plus you can buy premier boxing or stream the nhl and nba playoffs on max with the bleacher report sports add-on or add paramount plus for the masters on cbs prime video it's all your favorite sports in one place Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Orlando Brown Jr., Super Bowl champ, offensive tackle for the Chiefs, four Pro Bowls in five seasons in the NFL. Kind enough to join us before the big day, the big parade. Uh, what's the schedule today, Orlando? Man, um, right now I'm starting to start my morning off with you. Uh, we'll head up to the stadium around 10, 9.30, I think. We leave the stadium for around 10.30. I think the parade starts sometime around then. Um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Teammate most likely to be drinking now is who? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, man. Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey for sure. Okay. I would have yeah. thought Kelsey. Yeah, you, he's probably up there, but Creed Humphrey for sure. <laughs> the uh, alignment on one float. Do you guys? Have- uh, yes, we are. Yeah, we are. Yep. Yeah. I think every position group's got their own situation. So I, I'm pretty sure we got our own little trolley or whatever they call it, double decker. Now, do you bring your own drink or is it supplied for you? That's a good question, too. I I do know that Creed's got some Boulevard beer for us, which is super popular here in Kansas City. Um, But, yeah, I'll probably have my own bottle of something with me as well. Okay, I don't want you walking out like Tom Brady did when they had uh, that that boat parade, okay, (laughs) where where it looked like he was seasick and he had had his tequila and he threw the trophy. So just be careful there. Pace yourself. It won't won't be anything crazy for me like that. Um, The Super Bowl party, how would you uh, describe it? Oh, man, super cool, man. It was super cool. Like, you know, obviously it's it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to even play in the game, let alone win it. And, uh, man, I mean, you just felt that energy, honestly, all week. And, man, it was so gratifying, you know, to get that that win. Gosh, man, it was it was truly special. All right, take me into halftime. What was said at halftime? Yeah, at halftime, man. Um, gosh, it was just it was a clear message, you know. Hey, we got to go take this, and if we want to win this game to beat this really good football team, we're gonna have to go take it. And I mean, man, that was communicated from the moment we sat down in there um, through all of the leaders, uh, through Coach Reed, through Coach Eb. You know, understanding the circumstances, man, that this is a really good football team. And the margin of error in any game 
is super slim. And against a team in the Super Bowl like that that we just played, the margin of error was even smaller. And, I mean, man, I mean, they they turned the ball over once and, and still only lost by three points. Okay, wait a minute. You're missing you're, – you're, you're not letting us in on the biggest message that Andy Reid said to you guys about yeah. Rihanna. <laughs> Y'all heard about the Rihanna story? Yes. <laughs> if, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, he said, um, he said, if you want to watch Rihanna, just keep on walking. <laughs> so like, yeah, I remember he said something like that. If you want to see Rihanna, Rihanna, just keep on walking. Coach Reed's the best, man. Were, were guys trying to sneak out to see her perform? <laughs> no, they weren't. They okay. weren't. But, uh, yeah, that's just Coach Reed being Coach Reed. <laughs> uh, the offensive line, we had heard about the offensive line, obviously what happened against Tampa Bay, and then that was the big question mark. And here's the, here's the Eagles. You know, they got uh, all of these sacks, second most in NFL history in a season. Yep. Uh, how did you guys take that going into this Super Bowl as a group? <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it showed up on film. I think they're definitely were the top unit this year as far as rushing the passer, top to bottom. They did an amazing job all year creating one-on-ones. Uh, Hassan Reddick had a great year uh, rushing the passer as well. And they got a really good system, great coverage schemes, the way that they mix things up. Uh, their D.C. did a really good job of all of that. Uh, we knew we were going to have our hands full. Um, but, man, the, the the understanding in our offensive line room is we set a really high standard. Uh, individually and collectively. And, man, going into that game, it it, it was understood it was going to be on us. And, you know, something that I spoke about to the guys on Saturday was, you know, pressure is a privilege. You know, we, we heard all the talk about the 85 Bears and how similar this defensive front is and all of those different things about what they've got and all that. But at the end of the day, man, I think the tougher team and the more physical team won. What did you say after the game? No sacks? Zero sacks? Put it on a T-shirt. Put it on a bleeping T-shirt, I think is what it's, you said. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> why, didn't, exactly. why didn't Mahomes bring you to Disney World, the entire group, the offensive line? Yeah. <laughs> man, honestly, Pat does so much for us, man. That's probably the one thing I didn't necessarily want to do. I enjoyed spending time with my family, not having to wake up at 6 a.m. to catch a flight to L.A. Yeah, and I, what's that feeling like when you give up a sack – and Mahomes is there on the ground. Like, do you say anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like as as an offensive lineman, it's it's that's obviously the worst thing that can happen to us. And um, you know, for for an old old lineman man to give up a sack period, it's always a super uncomfortable feeling. And uh, man, especially don't let it be on third down or two minute or in the game. I mean, I can't tell you how bad of a feeling that is. But normally, I just I just kind of let them know, you know what I mean, or. You know, or he'll say something to me like, hey, that's that's on me. I was drifting. I was floating. It was coverage. Or he'll be like, block your guy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> We're talking to Orlando Brown, Jr., Super Bowl champ, offensive tackle for the Chiefs. How bad was that field? Yeah, you know what? It, it was uh, it was pretty bad, I would say. I, honestly, I didn't slip any at all. Like, maybe I had one rep where I kind of slid sitting on a bull rush. But, uh, man, it was it was super soft. It was it was it was kind of like it was soft, like a very soft surface. Um, you know, your cleat marks were clear in the ground and all of that. Um, I mean, man, I don't I personally I didn't have to wear my seven studs. I don't think it affected my game at all. But I know people on the other side of the ball were seem to be affected. How many pairs of shoes, different shoes did you bring to the Super Bowl? Cleats. Uh, man, I brought. I always bring three cleats. Um, 
I've honestly never had a cleat malfunction, but you know, I, I'm real weird about my uniform malfunctions. <laughs> so I always at least keep three of everything. What are you going to do with your Super Bowl uniform? Uh, man, I've got it here. I'm, I'm going to hang it up. I've got, I've got all my cleats from each game in this playoff series. Um, I got my jersey, my uniform, have my helmet. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to hang everything up and get it all framed. Awesome. Explain the Lane Johnson move that he has off the ball, his get off. Is that, yeah. Is that legal? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I feel like it's legal. Um, you know, so often you hear, you know, fans talk about or announcers talk about uh, offensive linemen, false starting. We want a false start here. We want this. I mean, listen, man, you're going against guys on the other side of the ball, especially when you're on silent cadence, especially on silent cadence. You're going against guys that are trying to use the snap count against you that run four sixes or below that are great athletes that are super long. And the way that Lane Johnson plays, he likes to beat guys to the spot. And his style of play is basically manipulating you by creating more space and allowing you to think that, oh, you have the inside, oh, you have the outside. Well, why don't, guys, why don't more guys do it? Because, I mean, Lane Johnson is one of the most elite players to ever play the position. His fundamentals, his athleticism, his length, his arms, his punch, I mean, top to bottom. I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it. And it's not necessarily anything that can be mimicked. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily, in my opinion, hmm. a coach technique. You know what I mean? This is this is a Lane Johnson style of play. That's why very rarely do you see guys of his with his ability. And, I mean, you could say that about all the top guys. You know what I mean? Trent Williams, Lermy Tunsil. Lane Johnson, Tristan Wurst, all four of those guys, I mean, all their games are so different. Help me understand the Eric Bieniemy uh, mm. offensive coordinator position. Does he yeah. is he calling the plays? Like it just uh, I don't I'm I'm trying to figure this out Orlando. That here yeah. we are again Eric Bieniemy may have to leave to be an OC someplace else to show that yeah. he can be an offensive coordinator which yeah. I think that's his job title in Kansas City. What am I missing? Yeah, man, personally, man, it's like, it, it sucks because I got a lot of respect for Coach EB and, you know, I, I, I'm i pretty sure he calls the place. And, uh, man, you know, and, and in KC, it is a collective effort, I feel like, with uh, as far as maybe what gets installed. But I know him and Coach Reed somewhere in there, like the plays are being called, you know, through, through EB on the headset. And, uh, man, it's unfortunate, you know, that so many of these opportunities have come up over the years and he hasn't been able to, uh, you know, get a head coaching job and, you know, it's come to the point where, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes and he's under Coach Reed, so we don't really know what he's capable of. And, uh, you know, man, it's, it's it's unfortunate, you know, the the business side of things for him. But uh, I feel as though, man, if he were to go somewhere else, if he were to become a head coach, were to become an OC somewhere else, I mean, he, he's going to have a ton of success. Yeah, hopefully he gets an opportunity. Make yeah. sure you protect Mahomes today too, okay? It's not just in the game. You got to protect him, you know, on, you know, make sure nothing happens to him. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, have a have a good time and congratulations Orlando. Thanks for joining us. Yep, thank y'all so much. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Steve Palazzolo, our good buddy, Pro Football Focus senior analyst, co-host of Pro Football Focus NFL Podcast. Good to see you again. Have you guys chopped up the Super Bowl and given out grades? Yeah, we have. Yeah, it was uh, we, we do it live pretty much and then review it the next day. So we get the grades out there and the quarterbacks were as good as I think they looked right. Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, two of the best players on the field. And the, the grades reflected that. OK, who had a higher grade between those two? We had Hurts with a slight edge in uh, in his overall grade. Obviously, he had the worst play with the fumble, uh, but in Mahomes didn't really make a ton of mistakes. But Hurts had had more special plays, right? Some of those downfield throws. Um, and some of his best throws were incomplete. The uh, the Devontae Smith pass down the field that gets dropped or just ends up incomplete after the review. Um, some nice tight window, double coverage, throw, or tight window throws to Dallas Goddard. Another one on third down after 
avoiding the blitz. So uh, Jalen Hurts was was awesome in that game. And I think we're going to forget it, though, because, you know, the Chiefs won. But it could lead to a big contract extension because I don't know if people had questions. Do you have questions now after what you saw with Jalen Hurts? If you were with the Eagles and you were going to be handing out that check to him, would you have any issue giving him $45 million a year? Maybe 45. It's going to be fascinating. I would say um, the Eagles did such a good job building their team this past offseason because Jalen Hurts was on that first contract. It allowed them to go get A.J. Brown. It allows them to bring in a James Bradbury. They're going to lose a bunch in free agency this year. And it's going to be difficult to replace those guys because, you know, Jalen Hurts is due the next big contract. So I do think he ends up in that $40 million range. And I do think the Super Bowl does go a long way to, uh, you know, instilling confidence in what he could do going forward. If the Jets called you and said, give us the best quarterback that you guys have graded that makes the most sense for the Jets, who would you recommend? If you're willing to make the one to two year investment, I think it has to be Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean the 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 other option would be Lamar Jackson. If you're if you if you want to trade with the Ravens, if they end up franchise tagging him and you're going to give up two ones, I think the first option would be Lamar Jackson, just because you could lock him up long term. But I have to go Aaron Rodgers over the other alternatives. You know, the Derek Carrs of the world, the Jimmy Garoppolo's. Um, I think Rodgers probably still gives you that best one to two year option uh, or opportunity to win it. And you're in an AFC East that has Josh Allen and the Bills, right? Already has the Dolphins with their explosive offense. I don't think status quo at quarterback is going to do it for the Jets. Yeah, I said I would rather have Derek Carr find the Jets because I don't think they're ready to. I think they're ready to compete now and maybe they're going to be a playoff team. But I don't want the Aaron Rodgers, you're going to play for one year, I don't know about the next year, because I look at this as probably a three-year window for the Jets where they can be really competitive given the weapons that they have. I just, I don't want to go two steps forward and then two steps back with Aaron Rodgers in two years, and then we got to look for another quarterback. No, I, I completely get it. It's just such a fascinating time in the NFL, though, right? Like when you have a guy like Derek Carr who is, you know, quarterback 11 to 15, depending on how you want to rank them, right? He's in that range. What a fascinating time where the NFL, there's a team that wants to move on from Derek Carr, but there's other teams who think Derek Carr is going to be the savior, right? That's what happened <laughs> with Jared Goff with the Rams, right? The, the Rams had to move on from Jared Goff, who took them to a Super Bowl. Yeah. The Niners did everything to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, who took them to a Super Bowl. But for other teams, those guys are great. So three years from now, the Jets might, if they had Derek Carr, they might be saying, oh, we want the next, you know, the next guy that's going to, you know, be better than Carr. But what about the Saints with Derek Carr? I think the NFC South might be a little bit different. I think every NFC South team has been rumored to be looking at Derek Carr because they're all saying, well, Tom Brady retired. The Bucs weren't that good this year anyway. We could go win the division, right? I mean, teams still look at the short term and say, Derek Carr, if he steps into that division, might be the best quarterback there where he was the fourth best quarterback on paper, you know, coming into the the season in the AFC West. So I think it might be a little bit different for a team like the Saints that is always uh, always in credit card debt when it comes to the yeah. salary cap. They're much more willing to make that type of uh, take that that type of investment in a Derek Carr. It was strange going into this season that Patrick Mahomes wasn't an all pro the previous year, and it felt like he cooled off a little bit. Then you had the Tyreek Hill trade. It felt like defenses. We're playing a little softer, keeping everything in front. Josh Allen love, Joe Burrow here, Justin Herbert. And and we kind of forgot about Mahomes. And that's almost like forgetting about LeBron or Steph Curry. 
Why was it? You know, why do you think that the, that we sort of moved on from Mahomes or forgot about him? Well, because a year ago, we did see Mahomes' worst season. You just described it. And not only that, but an epic collapse in the AFC Championship, right? They were dominant in the first half against the Bengals last year. But we have never seen Mahomes collapse the way he did in the AFC Championship. Fumbles, interceptions that may not have been his fault, but just not leading the comebacks that he normally does. Not making that game-winning drive. It was his worst season, right? So, understandably, then you lose Tyree Kill. And it was a fair question to say... How much of Mahomes' production is Tyree Kill plus Travis Kelsey plus Andy Reid in the system? But I think you have to hand it to Mahomes, much like a Tom Brady through the years. Brady played in different systems with different personnel, and they always won, and they were always productive. Mahomes did that this year, right? He did it in a different style. It was a quick passing game. It wasn't the explosive plays down the field. He showed the patience. He adjusted to the league. A huge part in Mahomes' career right now, in a year five as a starter, to just win in a different way. So, I understand why people may have doubted him a little bit, but I think he just answered all the questions and said, nope, I'm elite, I'm the top guy, and I'm still here. Steve Palazzolo, he is uh, the senior analyst for Pro Football Focus. How bad was Russell Wilson's season? I mean, by far his, the worst of his career. He's He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL by our grading system and pretty much any stat that you use. But I think that the really difficult part too is when you go back to about the middle of 2020 remember he was having that incredible season on pace to break the touchdown record middle of 2020 though things fell apart 2021 he was okay but then he gets hurt wasn't good after the injury and then last year was not good so we're talking about almost a year's worth of games right now where Russell Wilson's been a bottom third quarterback so it wasn't just this year it was kind of the few years before that coming. So we'll see what Sean Payton can do with them, but it certainly hasn't been great for the last 32 games or so of Russell Wilson's career. Do you get enough of a sample size with Brock Purdy to sign off on him as the starter in San Francisco? To sign off as starter, absolutely, just because, you know, you the, the first-year contract type of stuff, we hear that a lot when you have a cheap quarterback. And um, it, it's Purdy in this system with Kyle Shanahan. Not to take anything away from Purdy, he was excellent, but... Kyle Shanahan has about a 15-year track record of elevating every single quarterback that he's played with from a production standpoint. They've all played better, um, including when he had Matt Ryan, the best quarterback that uh, Kyle Shanahan's ever had. Matt Ryan almost breaks the league nine yards per attempt, wins MVP. So I think a lot of it's the playmakers in the in the play calling in San Francisco, but Purdy was excellent running that offense as a seventh-round rookie, which is really impressive. What about Kyler Murray's grade? And I know we have to factor in the injury, and is he going to even be ready for this next season? Yeah, so he was on this perfect trajectory of getting better every year. His first three seasons, it looked like he had peaked. Uh, he peaked in his, in his third year, and this year he took a big step back. I don't know how much of it was not having DeAndre Hopkins for the first seven games, but Kyler had the highest percentage of big-time throws in the league in 2021, our highest-graded throws, those special throws down the field. He was among the worst this year. So he wasn't pushing the ball down the field at the same level. His grade fell back to about league average, a little bit below league average this year. So a lot of questions with Kyler, and we might not even see him for the majority of next season because of the injury. So it was him progressing every single season, but definitely took a big step back here in 2022. The Bears situation, you're on the clock with the number one pick. And you have Justin Fields already. How did Pro Football Focus grade out Justin Fields? And what would you do with that number one pick? So we graded him as a below average passer, but unbelievable runner, right? Exactly what we saw on the field. Um, I've always thought he has the passing ability. So there's so much potential there with Justin Fields. I do think the Bears should be doing their due diligence on Bryce Young and the other quarterbacks. Bryce Young in particular, he's the number one quarterback on the PFF draft board. 
I do think you have to weigh taking Bryce Young at one and potentially trading Justin Fields. I think that's option number one, potentially, if they what, like Bryce what would Young you enough. Do? What would you do? I would, I would, I would take Bryce Young, and I would look to trade Justin Fields. I mean, that's my that's my first option. If I have a good enough market for Justin Fields, the second option is trade down and say, okay, we have to play up to the Colts and the fact that they're desperate, the Panthers, that they're desperate, the Raiders, all the maybe even the Texans at two. So you have to trade down. I think the worst thing the Bears can do is draft a non-quarterback. The worst thing they could do is sit at one, draft a Will Anderson from Alabama, draft a Jalen Carter from Georgia. They have to maximize this first overall pick, either with a fresh rookie quarterback or with multiple draft picks to restructure that entire roster. Great stuff as always, Steve. Thank you for your contributions this entire NFL season. All the great folks at Pro Football Focus, thank you. You got it. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week, while we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Paulie just sent me the catch rule, the catch language, the official language here. Do I want to do this? Do I want to burden this audience and go over the catch completed catch or intercepted well if it bothers people this is the time to say something to maybe ever have it changed the the offseason okay a player who makes a catch may advance the ball a forward pass is complete by the offense or intercepted by the defense in the field of play at the sideline or the or in the end zone if a player who is inbound secures control of the ball in his hands or arms prior to the ball touching the ground and B, touches the ground inbounds with both feet or any part of his body other than his hands, and C, after A and B have been fulfilled, performs any act common to the game, i.e., tuck the ball away, extend it forward, take an additional step, turn upfield or avoid or ward off an opponent, or he maintains control of the ball long enough to do so. So, for example, that, that dump pass to Miles Sanders of the Eagles. Yeah. He caught it. Two feet were in. He quickly turns up field, and then he got hit by Sneed. The ball comes out. That The rule there is he maintains control of the ball long enough to do so. Why throw that in there? But it says, extend it forward, take an additional step, turn up field, or avoid or ward off an opponent. Maintain. See, that to me was a fumble with Sanders. I mean, if you have two feet, you have the ball, and you turn up field, your third step now is important? Okay, then that's a, that was a fumble. Yes, Paulie. Here's my new version. Let's make catching much more easy. And instead of taking adding language to make great catches mm-hmm. de- deemed ineligible, let's do the opposite. You need two feet in. Some people want one foot in like college. How about two feet in and you prevent the ball from hitting the ground? And nothing out of bounds matters. Once the player exits the field and steps out of bounds, it's like a movie going to black. Because why would any actions out of bounds factor with inbounds? I know you're saying. I agree. Because remember Santonio Holmes, when he caught that one in the end zone, you were there. He tapped the toes, right? He went to the ground. If you watch him hit the ground, the ball's moving. Now, that rule wasn't in place back when Santonio Holmes did it. But imagine if that play was somehow called dead because of Santonio Holmes three yards out of bounds. He never let it hit the ground, but it was shifting in his gut area. Well, there are two calls where I, you know, the NFL lost me. Like, I, I just was really disappointed. Calvin Johnson's touchdown, he got up to celebrate. And then they go, that's not a touchdown. And I went, oh, boy, sport is, we're not headed in a good direction. And Des Bryant at Lambeau. Like, those were embarrassing. Where you're just going, Let, let's just apply common sense here. How about that? That's a catch. He tried to score a touchdown. He did catch it. Maybe you don't give him the touchdown, but give him the catch. 
Sorry, Cowboy fans, but this still bothers me. And the Calvin Johnson, uh, did he complete the process? They keep adding language, not subtracting. That's why the NFL finds itself in this conundrum. They're like, man, everybody complains about the officials because you put him in a position where it's so complicated. Devontae Smith caught the ball in the Super Bowl. He went out of bounds. Did he maintain? I don't care what he does out of bounds. Yes. But isn't the reason that they're adding all this language because of those incidents? What is and what isn't a catch? Like, I I think that they would make it worse. It's more complicated. It is more complicated, but they doubled down. I think, you know, I think everybody would admit. I think even the league would admit that they got those two calls calls wrong. Right. Calvin Johnson. That was a catch. Des Bryant. That was a catch. hundred percent. But I think from their point of view, there has to be a point in the process (laughs) that it becomes a catch because you say as soon as the ball crosses the goal line, it's a touchdown, right? Yeah. But as soon as the ball hits the receiver's two hands and they have two feet in, then it instantly becomes a catch or do they actually have to catch it? You know what I'm saying? There has to be a moment where they have control of the ball and they bring it in. Something that demonstrates control. But not to the ground. Devontae Smith going to the ground. Then, then, Then we put in something that shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's just, did you catch that ball in bounds? Yes, he did. What happened when he went out of bounds? Well... He, he jostled the ball a little bit. I don't care about when that. When did he catch the ball in bounds, though? Well, they have to decide. They'll look at that. They'll go, yeah, he's got it. Right, but that's why they're putting in all of this language to give them uh, sort of a checklist of saying, like, okay, yeah, they did these three, four things, and that means it was a catch. Mm-mm. They doubled down to, to make themselves right. Like, they complete the process. No, there's no completing the process. You, that's where a lawyer goes, you know, they've got to complete the process. All right, put that in there. If you went through history, history would change in the NFL if you applied today's rules to what happened back then. If they go, that's not a catch. You know, uh, uh, Franco Harris, I don't know, did that ball, I don't know if that's a catch. Like, like, come on. But everything else in the game has been skewed in the offense's favor. Yes. Except for this one thing. You have to make sure that you have control of the ball all the way down. Well, it's, I don't, it's this one thing that they're making slightly more complicated that's like, that's really just a checklist of, let's try to get this as right as possible. It's the only thing in the game that's made slightly more difficult for an offensive player. Well, I'm not worried about the offensive player. I'm worried about the viewer, the fan, who's trying to understand this. And that is, is that a catch? Yes. Is that not a catch? Yes. Do you have control when he had it, you know, in the field of play? Yes. It's just Mike Pereira disagreed with the call on Devontae Smith. And he's ref friendly. And he's going, they're spending so much time that they were looking like it wasn't obvious. If it's supposed to be obvious, then it should take you seconds. Like, yeah, obviously. It's like, uh, I don't know. Can I see another? Can I see another? Okay, we're going to reverse it. 
Never should have been never should have been reversed. There wasn't enough evidence there. Yes, Tom. I agree with Paulie as far as once the play you got both feet in, the play is over. Who cares about what's happening out of bounds? Because if you have to somehow complete the catch while and they're looking at what happened to you out of bounds, then you should be able to complete a tackle out of bounds and not call late hit out of bounds. We were in the process of tackling someone, then finish him off while he's going out of bounds because it matters about catching the ball while you're out of bounds. Yes, yeah, so if you have two feet in and you catch the ball but you fall out of bounds and drop it. Yeah. Right, that shouldn't count. No, it but, should. It, but if you have, oh, so it shouldn't be a catch then. No, I that, thought we were saying what happens out of bounds doesn't count. No, it should be a catch. So it should be a catch. But if you're in the middle of the field and you have two feet down and you catch the ball and fall and hit the ground and drop it, is that also still a catch? No. So why is I'm it? Not why is out of bounds is a catch, but inbounds isn't a catch then at that point? You know what I mean? It's the exact same action. It's the no, exact the, same no, motions. Everything. No, the whistle blows. If I catch the ball and I go out of bounds then the play is dead. If I'm in the field of play and I catch the ball and then I drop it, if I had it, then it might be a fumble. So the whistle's not going to blow on that. So it might be a fumble, might be an incompleted pass. I don't want out of bounds to cause an incompletion. That's, that's the only thing I'm saying here, that Devontae Smith made that catch and they didn't have enough evidence to overturn it. And they did. And Mike Pereira said in the moment, they're looking. It shouldn't be that difficult. If it is, turn, overturn it. Yeah, clear and obvious doesn't take this long. Yes, and that right. was the point I was trying to make. I just think it adds a, a, a deeper, a, you know, another layer for the uh, referees to try to you know, come up with this in real time. And that's the problem. We've made their job so difficult because we keep adding language here. And that's the problem I have. And as a fan, I just, I just want to watch it and go, that was a catch. Not the, I don't know if he, he's the, the nose of the football. Go back to Des Bryant. Try to explain Des Bryant. He can't. Caught it, couple of steps, tried to score a touchdown, incomplete pass. Horrible. Embarrassing. Calvin Johnson, touchdown, getting up to celebrate, drops the ball. Didn't complete the process. Yeah, Paul. I want to go back to some of the other rules. David Tyree's helmet catch with Eli Manning, he had the ball against the side of his helmet. Mm. Now, remember when he fell down and Rodney's trying to take it out? The ball almost hits the turf on the back of his head. It didn't, but it was very close. According to the rule, if that ball would have touched the turf and assisted him in any way because he didn't have two hands control, sure. that play might have been waved off. No, I could see where it would be. Easily if it would touch the ground. Because they would say, well, it was moving. But if it, it depends on if it moved when it touched the ground. If it didn't move and touch the ground, they would call it a catch. According to the rule, a receiver, if they're getting help from the ground before they've had control, having one hand against your helmet, I bet they would have said that's not control of the ball mm-hmm. and may have waved that one off. Mm-hmm. I look at it like this. I look at the rule should be somewhere like catching a baby from a burning building. I caught the baby. I'm tripping. I'm, it's moving up and down. I don't have it. But if I prevent the baby from hitting the ground, I'm the winner. You know that. You know if you prevent the ball from dropping out of your hands and hitting the ground, let's make that a catch. I don't know if I could use that language, Commissioner. The burning baby. Yeah. You know, burning building baby rule. Yes, more. New poll question. What do you love talking about more, this or any list? Uh wow. I would say I despise list. Like this, this is, you know, once a year we might bring this up. There's always, you know, a list coming out, you know, the top 100, you know, the top, they, you know, the list of great quarterbacks. Where's Mahomes on the list of great quarterbacks now? He's got to be number two. Is he three? Yes. Mark. We're going to put a list of the top 10 list that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.